My goodness, that was awesome. What a tech setup that was. Hey, Nick. <laughs> yeah, man. Let's go. recording i can see my mic level is crazy high for some reason i think i think i messed up another setting when i was uh when i was recording anyway bottom line is we're on and we're doing this thing and it's theology thursday so we've got something to talk about definitely what are we talking about so uh just a thought that i've been thinking about recently i preached my last sermon on romans this last sunday Mm -hmm. which was great and uh, just something that really struck me as I was looking at all 16 chapters again was just the, the beauty of uh, chapter 5, verse 12 to 21, where you've got the, the two Adams. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we trespass in the first Adam and we are made righteous through the second Adam. And uh, I just remember when I did my research on that, just the, uh, and, and you'll remember it as well, there was the charge from the Roman Catholic Church to, to the Reformers at the time of Reformation that the imputation of an alien righteousness creates a legal fiction. In mm-hmm. other words, God, who is 100% holy, who cannot lie, calls a sinner just when he is not just, if we are justified by an imputed righteousness which is not our own. So I thought probably worthwhile teasing that out a little bit because it's incredibly encouraging when you understand it. Oh, man, totally. All right, say that again. All right, so... Uh, let's 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 uh, put ourselves back in the Roman Catholic shoes. Yep. The Roman Catholic believes that justification is God declaring a righteous person righteous, mm-hmm. not an unrighteous person righteous. In other words, through baptism you have sanctifying grace imparted into you. Original sin is washed away, and as you cooperate with this grace and you do works of love as you use the seven sacraments, those works of love end up justifying you. And so when God declares you righteous, he's not lying because he's declaring the works of love that you've produced to be true works of righteousness. Right. Sounds awesome. What's what's wrong with that, Nick? (laughs) There is none righteous. No, not one. (laughs) And so when the Reformers um, found the the biblical doctrine of justification, you know, Luther discovered Mm -hmm. it to be not a state of righteousness, uh, not a... Not an impartation of righteousness, Mm. but an imputation of righteousness. That Mm. God doesn't look at the goodness in our hearts and rule on the good deeds that we've done. He credits to us an alien righteousness, Mm. a righteousness which is not native to ourselves, which comes from outside of ourselves, which comes from Christ. And so we've used the illustration of you're a pile of dung with snow on top. Yes. And Christ, uh, God calls Christ's righteousness the snow on top of our pile of dung. He declares that to be righteous. Mm-hmm. And the Rome, Roman Catholicism said that makes a liar of God mm-hmm. and creates a legal fiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the beauty of uh, Romans 5 and the beauty of, of Reformed theology in general is that covenant theology, as we look at federal theology or a federal head or a covenant head, is the way in which we bring substance mm. Um, to our righteousness. Mm. So what is a good way to um, uh, bring a really simple analogy to that whole federal head covenant theology deal? Like how do we, how do we bring substance to it in the simplest way possible? Um, a, a, a common example is ambassador. 
So, right. I mean, it, the, the issue in our Western context is that we don't like the fact that someone else's actions cause me to live or die. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of unfairness. We're very individualistic. Mm-hmm. I didn't vote for that. I, you know, so therefore I cannot accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord in his wisdom and by his own prerogative has decided that he will deal with us through representatives. Yeah. And so a helpful analogy that we can still relate to is the notion of an ambassador. Mm-hmm. So if you have two countries at war, um, the ambassador signs the truce or announces war on the basis of a whole nation. Mm-hmm. One man and his actions acting on behalf of the whole nation, and the whole nation is wrapped up in that one man's actions. Mm. So that's that's one way of looking at it. How, how would you approach it? I remember the soccer team analogy. You know, the, the one, the, the, the captain gets the trophy. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I no one has a problem with that, you know. And I thought it's a, it's just like quite a low level, you know, a- analogy. But it's just we all sense that it's okay for the the federal head of the team, so to speak, to to get the trophy. Um, and we we understand something of the concept there. Anyway, it's not a perfect analogy, of course, because I think the problem with some of these analogies, and uh, even the one you you um, suggested to some degree, anyway, is that it. it it sort of implies that we we did participate, you know, in um, either by way of vote or you know by mutual consent or something yeah, like we, that. We played our part in the team, right? We played our part in the team, and, that, and that's not what we're saying. So, you know, I'm always on the lookout to find um, an analogy that really brings this out. I think the fa- I think you're right though. The covenant theology thing is just absolutely key because it it's just I mean at the end of the day, analogies aside. What we are saying yeah. is that is that revelation communicates that in God's economy, the way that He has chosen to deal with man is by way of covenant and covenant head. So mm-hmm. there is an organic unity between the the head and uh, those you know uh, that are party to the covenant. And so you know it's 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 almost makes I, I like thinking about that because it makes the whole question somewhat moot in, in that we're not asking. You know, instead of looking for a way to justify that approach, we're simply saying that it has substance because it is God's approach. Yes. You know, and he he sees a, 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 a substance there, which is, um, you know, really all we're trying to find by way of our little analogies to soccer team captains and that sort of thing. Definitely. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that, though? I mean, I've, I've just found it very useful. Uh, the new perspective on Paul rejects the notion of the imputation mm. of an alien righteousness. Yeah. That, that's one of the that's one of the key things they reject. And mm. and as you as you wrestle with Paul's own theology, because systematic theology is nothing more than an attempt to get to the bottom of the theology of the authors of Scripture, as mm. the Holy Spirit has the system of truth that the Holy Spirit has revealed through them. That's that's what we're trying to parse out. Mm. And we recognize very clearly from Romans 5, verse 12 to 21, that Paul, when he looks at the Bible, sees federal heads and covenant heads as the way in which we died in Adam, mm-hmm. were made guilty in Adam, got a criminal record that we didn't earn in Adam. Mm-hmm. And, and by the same mechanism, we lived in Christ, we were made righteous in Christ. And um, as one man trespassed, we all died. So one man was righteous and we receive a gift of righteousness because of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, it's, for me, it's just really, I, I find it incredibly relevant with some of the latest critiques 
mm. against the doctrine of justification. So covenant theology not only did it, it serve its place against the Roman Catholic mm. Uh, mm. protest of legal fiction, it still serves to help us um, battle new attacks against the gospel, mm. like the new perspective on Paul. Oh, man, I think you really saw that come out when um, I remember that struck me after reading Piper's um you know, follow on from um, N.T. Wright's thing. I forget what it was called now. You know, that book he wrote, Righteousness. Counted Righteous or something? Yeah, great, great book. Otherwise, you know, just, just as it sort of it sort of maps out the general truths involved and typically, you know, classically at least of, of Piper approaches it from God's sovereignty and that sort of thing. Uh, but then I remember reading uh, Horton's uh, Slam Dunk afterwards, where he, uh, oh. that covenant justification, you know, in that series. Um, yeah. Oh, man. And I just re- I realized right there and then that, you know, yeah, I mean, exactly what you just said. I mean, covenant theology, it, Piper doesn't have one. <laughs> and no. it, made, it, made his, it made his argument against um, N.T. Wright just, path- well, not pathetic, but just didn't do it. You know, it just didn't yeah. really uh, d- deal with the all, issue. He couldn't pull all the pieces together. So he spoke about imputation. Yeah. He spoke about the nature of faith. He spoke about reckoned, um, being counted. Yeah, yeah. spoke about the difference between grace and works. But um, it all pulls together. So coming back to the charge of legal fiction. Yes, yes, yes. You know, does God call someone who is not righteous, righteous? Is, that, is God a liar? And is there no true legal righteousness in the mix? And we, we would say this. God is not lying. Because there is a true righteousness in my representative. Yeah. And that righteousness has been credited to, to me. It's not a fairy tale righteousness. It's yeah. a real righteousness. Yeah. And there's something really concrete there which grounds my assurance. Mm. Because as righteous as Christ is, as unchangeably righteous as Christ is, you know, that's that's the security of my standing. Mm. Mm. Christ's righteousness can never be besmirched, it can yeah. never be changed. Mm. His legal status can never be changed. Yeah. And I'm judged in my representative, and that's my security. That's your security. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because as much as they would want to level the charge of um, legal fiction, I mean, at the end of the day, the true fiction is trying to lean on your own righteousness, even if you've got that that view of the seven sacraments in place. And, you know, it's still not going to be enough to give you anything close to the righteousness that you need. Yeah. Um, you know, and if Con- anything, you're going to have to get... Versus congruent merit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. And, and you know, you're going to always end up in some sort of really um, substandard, you know, um, uh, sort of level of criteria for entry, <laughs> I suppose, is the yeah. way I'm thinking about well, it. Uh, every perfectionistic form of teaching, and Roman Catholicism is one version of it, yes. has to change the definition of sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to lower the bar to what we can achieve. And what could be more fictional than that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So we, we turn the guns on them and say, no, you're creating the legal fiction by calling what you rep, uh, present to God as any form of true righteousness at all. Mm. Yeah, I like it. There we go. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's good because what it does is it takes it out of this whole, um, you know, should God or should, shouldn't, or, uh, no, let, let me, let me uh, peel back there. <clears throat> it takes it out of the, the whole do we resonate with federal identity and that sort of thing um and and it puts it to it puts it back right on the word this is how god has chosen to deal with us just this is the way it is yep. he's revealed covenant and this is the substance of it 
And, and then you're right back in the gospel rather than trying to, you know, uh, get all super, um, you know, uh, abstract and metaphysical even with, with, with how that could possibly work with the federal head. I mean, essentially, you're just comparing the two, two possibilities. Either, either you stand before God um, by yourself you know, with, with whatever God would infuse. And you, you just have to, you know, ask yourself the question as to whether that would ever even look close to uh, enough or, or you have to just find refuge in the cleft of a rock kind of thing. And, then, you know, you have to ask yourself again, like, is that going to, is that going to help me more? And, and, and I think, like, what I like about that line of argument is it just brings everyone back to the, the real core of the truth. Um, you know, everyone, everyone's got a conscience. Everyone knows what they've done wrong. Every, everyone, you know, it's, it's not too difficult to sort of, you know, um, put, you, put yourself down this line of thinking where you imagine going through your life and participating in all seven sacraments of Rome and, and, and very easily come to the end of that thinking, you know what? This is this is not what I need, you know. Uh, it's it's easy yep. to see that, and um, I think that exposes the the, the real heart of it, um, you know. So rather than end, ending up going into you know post scholastic whatever, you know, trying to figure all this out, I think just bring right back to the heart of the gospel and say, what do you need to stand before God? Yeah, uh, you know, and and the Bible deals with that. What do you think it's saying about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And it may be it may be an alien idea. That God deals with us through representative. It's not. It's not our modern, uh, Western individualistic sort oh, of man. idea. It's, it's so not. Yeah, that's right. But it, but it's all over the scriptures. I mean, just look at the notion of a high priest. Yeah. A man with the twelve stones. One man representing a nation. God prepared us through types and shadows to embrace what we might find to be a peculiar notion. But mm. in His wisdom, He made it so that we all died in Adam. Unless we all committed the unforgivable sin, he caused mm. us to all c- commit forgivable sins through a representative mm. Mm. so that we would be saved by someone who could really save us because mm. we would never be able to save ourselves mm. uh, in the God man coming down and saving us. Yeah. Yeah. This is so, the wisdom of God. Yeah. 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 So, oh, sorry, no, I thought yeah. you cut out. <laughs> no, no. I was just doing a really dramatic silence to just let that all sink in. <laughs> I was waiting for you to come back in. I didn't want to butt in. Uh, no, that's. <laughs> this is the wisdom of God. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> he did a mic drop on me. Um, all right. So, so yeah, I mean, look, amen to that. And. Um, uh, what I was going to add as well is I think that's a really good point that you made in terms of our individualism today. I mean, if you think about the history of, you know, humanity, as far as we can tell anyway, I mean, we, the, the whole individualism thing is recent, you know. Um, yeah. And so largely, you know, even humankind has not conceived of themselves merely in terms of the individual the way that we do today. Um and and there's a strong argument to be made that that's a bad thing to just you know the way that we've gone is is it's it's too far down the one side of the pendulum and needs to be pulled back, but like even just by way of you know there it's easy to find federal representation you know uh, all over the place in history, and and no one would have had a, a problem with it at all. So, um, you know anything from your father representing the family to you know whatever you name it, but but. The thing is uh, that, you know, there's a caution there to go, okay, well, we do live in a bubble. We are like a Western bubble. 
And so be careful before you get too high and mighty and pretentious in, in thinking that, you know, you want to reject the idea of, of covenant theology based on your individualism. Yeah. I mean, you're basically taking a very small pocket of the way that the world is thought and leveling it against the, the, the majority of the way that the world is thought um, all throughout time. I mean, you know, that, that alone, even without the Bible, is, is enough to, to caution you. And uh, it's not only the imputation of an alien righteousness that we lose if we reject this biblical way of thinking. We also lose the imputation of Adam's sin, the original sin, the right. transmission of sin, yeah. uh, the reason why we die. Um, yeah. And all, you know, yeah. we, tear, we tear up not only the way we're saved, but the yeah. way in which we became sinners. Man, it is the Bible's revelation. You know, it does. It, there's just no way around it. I mean, yeah. you see people that have tried to mess around with it, Arminius and Pelagius and whatnot. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think I think all you have to do is take a little read through history to, to know that, that, you know, if you want to stay true to the text, you have to just come to terms with this. This is something that God has yeah. done to Adams all the way. And, and I, I mean, I've, I've wrestled with that. I mean, I remember early on when I was coming out of Arminianism, and this is really a point where you submit your reason to revelation mm -hmm. and allow God to decide how he will treat with the human race. Yeah, yeah, totally. You have to humble yourself and accept it as the Bible reveals it. Man, and you know, one of the, I, I know the people, I know we're approaching it from the side of, of uh, Christ's imputation or imputed righteousness, but usually people hit that up in, in uh, original sin and uh, the fall and, and why do I have to die because of Adam's sin and that sort of thing. I know the, the real, I, when I was wrestling with that, I remember thinking, you know, as 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 weary as I might have been about that idea, I'm so thankful for the imputed, uh, you know, <laughs> reality of Christ's righteousness that uh, you know it's enough to just uh, completely take if you, the issue if away. You, if you think it's wrong that you uh, how you die, then you'll think it's wrong how you come, you come back to life. Yeah, isn't it amazing though that something about it makes sense? It just feels right. It's so interesting to me. Like it's part of the whole biblical revelation thing this just it taps into the deepest part of who we know we are and we know we have a champion we know we have a, a representation we know we have you know we just we do work like that you know and yeah. and it's it's right that, that that is the way that it works the uh, desire expressed for a hero in every fairy tale is satisfied by covenant theology <laughs> yes wow <laughs> <laughs> that's got to get quoted somewhere yes exactly right totally right so anyways, cool. Let's draw that to a close. That's a good one. Um, what are we calling that? Legal fiction. Legal fiction. Federal theology. Legal something. fiction. Something. Imputation. It's all just part of the glory. Thursday theology. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Cheers, man.